Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Peninsula Church of Christ, located at 502 Woodland Road in Hampton, Virginia. We are so glad that you have chosen this time to study the Word of God, and it is our prayer that this sermon will be a blessing to your soul. You can find more information about the congregation, including our service times and full contact information, online at www.peninsulacofc.org. That is P-E-N-I-N-S-U-L-A-C-O-F-C dot org. If the sermon prompts questions in your mind, please reach out to us. Keep listening after the sermon for more information. And now, a sermon from the Peninsula Church of Christ. Do you ever stop at night and gaze up at the moon? Especially when it's near full? Last night I was in the dining room, closing up the blinds, and there was the moon, bright in the sky, a beaming bit of light standing out. It was quite gorgeous, and to the right of it, from my perspective, was I'm certain some planet, I'm not sure what it is right now, I'm not just a few of you in the room who could tell me exactly who it is, what it is. But I, I love the moon. I, I've always loved since I was a child looking up at it. And I know I'm not the only one. You know, when they introduced the Apple Watch, one of the things that Apple did was provide a moon cycle watch face. So your watch face can actually reflect whatever the cycle of the moon is at that moment in time. And for a little while, I used that one just because I enjoyed it so much. But as the moon goes through its cycles, it goes from light to dark and dark to light, doesn't it? You know, when you think about that new moon, it can be hard to pick out in the night sky at times. If you don't know exactly where you're looking and what you're looking for, there's not a lot to see, is there? There's just a slight glimmer from it. Just just a little bit of light that you can just barely see, but it's mostly darkness. And then as the moon goes through its phases toward a full moon, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter, doesn't it? And we understand the light doesn't come from the moon. We understand the light's from the sun and how that all functions. But, but nonetheless, there's more and there's more light. And as there's more light, the darkness that's on the face of the moon disappears, doesn't it? More is light and less is darkness until you come to the full moon, the night the kids and everybody else seems like they go crazy anymore. But you look at that full moon and the light has cast out the darkness, hasn't it? Where there is light, there is not darkness. God created it that way. In creation, we're familiar with light, we're familiar with darkness. In fact, as people, we tend to like the light, don't we? We tend to enjoy and appreciate the light. I, I know as a husband whose wife goes early in many mornings to the apprentice school, the teaching out there, that I appreciate the longer days when it's light, when she's not driving through some of those roads in the dark by herself on the way to work. I, I appreciate the fact that there's light because I know when there is light, there won't be darkness. I imagine when you get home this evening, you'll appreciate the fact that you have light at your house. That when you can, when you flip on the switch, the darkness departs, doesn't it? That there is light there. And this is from the beginning, isn't it? Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And I want you to see the creator himself in creation itself. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, notice how verse 2 is phrased. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness. There's no light at this point in time. There's no sun. There's no moon. There's no stars. In fact, 
God hasn't even declared that there be light yet in his creation. There is just darkness. There's a form that is unfinished. God will finish it over the course of the next few days. But it is unfinished in the sense that it is just water there upon the face. There's no plant life. There's no animals. There's, there's no flying birds. There's no humanity yet, is there? It's simply a barren piece of rock with water covering its entire surface and darkness. But then the very next verse reads, Then God said, Let there be light. Let there be light. And the text simply tells us there was. God said, let there be, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, we know this text, don't we? We're familiar with the seven days of creation, the six days of work, and the seventh day of rest. It's a story most of us have heard from our childhood, from our infancy, even before we knew what we were learning. We were sitting there in the little toddler roll Bible class, you know, and the teachers were talking about it, and, and implanting this idea of light and day, of darkness being cast out by the light, by virtue of God's own hand. And yet in so many ways, what we see in creation, the very beginning in Genesis 1, prefigures what we're going to see when God's Son comes into this world to restore everything, to renew everything into the way that God always intended it to be. The light is going to come into the darkness. And when light comes, the darkness ceases to be. You and I, Sitting here this morning, most of us have obeyed the gospel of Christ. We have been changed from those who were in sin to those who are now free from sin, to those who were unholy, to those who are holy, to those who were separated from God, to those who are now sanctified, set apart unto God. From those who were in darkness to now those who are in light. And that should bring a certain change to our lives, shouldn't it? Just as in the days of creation, that very first day, when God saw that there was darkness and said, let there be light, and there was, and everything changed. So in our lives, everything should have changed. Amen. When light was brought into our life, casting out the darkness. So this week and next, as long as I get through the material, we're going to study under the idea that I am light to continue our I am series this year, thinking about today in particular, the light of the world. I am light, the light of the world. Now, I invite you first to consider the source of that light. And we've already really laid it out in the creation, haven't we, with the creator himself in Genesis chapter one. Light comes from God. But let's get even more explicit. Not just in the sense of creation, but in the sense of who God is. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1, John is giving a, an apologetic for Jesus the Christ. He is arguing for the divinity and the humanity of Christ. 
But in doing that, he talks about sin. And he talks about the relationship of those who are gods with sin, with light and with darkness. But in, in discussing all of that, he says something about God, about God's nature, about God's person in verse 5. Notice what he says here at 1 John 1 and verse 5. So we've seen the creation in Genesis 1, but notice the creator in 1 John 1, 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. That God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Now, those last two words are important, aren't they? In our English translation. In him is no darkness at all. That's emphatic, isn't it? It is putting what we might call an exclamation point on it. It's not just in God is no darkness. It's in God is no darkness at all. You won't find a single molecule of it. Now, I understand God is a flesh and blood, but you know what I mean, don't you? You won't find a single bit of darkness in God. In him is light. God is light. Now, biblically, when we talk about light and darkness here, John is talking about holiness and unholiness. Sin and righteousness in comparison, isn't it? And in God, there is absolutely no unrighteousness. In God, there is no sin. In God, there is nothing that is not holy because he is holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Do you remember the emphasis upon that in the book of Leviticus? And also to those of us who are Christians, as Peter writes, be ye holy, for I am holy. In God, there is no darkness at all. There's nothing that defiles. There's nothing that harms you. There is nothing at all that is deficient. God is light. God is light. We see it in creation. He says, let there be light. He doesn't create the sun and moon and the stars on day one, does he? When does he create those? Come on, young folks. Help me out a little bit. When does he create those? Aaron, when does he create them? Day four, sun, light, moon, stars, galore. Y'all remember that? Have you ever seen that song? Oh, come on. Some of y'all need to go back to Bible class. You need to go back and sing some of those songs again. God created the sun, the moon, the stars well after the beginning. But he said, let there be light. How could there be light? Because God himself is light. And when God says for there to be light, there's going to be light. Where God is, there is light. Do you remember the last few chapters of the book of Revelation? There's no sun at all in heaven, is it? Why? Because God and the Lamb are there and God is its light. God is light. Light is life. Light is beauty. Light allows us to see and know. Light is holiness and righteousness. Light is everything that is good. We see it in the creation. We see it in the creator himself. But we see it also in the one who is the cause of our creation. Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 1. Now not first John. But just John. The gospel according to John as we sometimes put it. And notice what is said here with regards to Jesus. And I want you to look in verses 1 through 2 and, and see the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
Jesus the Christ. And we know that's who he's talking about because we can go down to verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the glory, the glory as of the only God of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know who he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus the Christ who became flesh. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus the cause from the beginning is God is with God. But then notice what he says in verse 3. When he talks about in verses 3 through 8 that Jesus is bearing the light into the world. And there is one who also bore witness to that light who is John. Begin at verse 3 and read on with me now. It says all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. That's what I mean when I refer to Jesus as the cause. Everything that is is because it came through him. It is made through him and, by the way, made for him as well. That's not here. That's elsewhere. But that's another sermon for another day. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. The New King James says, overcome it. The darkness did not overcome it. There was a man who, sent, who was sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Now notice, in the beginning is the Word. The Word is Jesus. He's with God from eternity. He is God. This is one of those texts that helps to build out the idea of the Godhead for us. Father, Son, and Spirit. God always existing from the beginning. He is in the beginning, but he bore forth the light of God into this world. And that light is life. Think about the creation effort. Think about everything that is created, how life is brought from absolutely nothing. God brings light. God brings life. And we even see that illustrated in our physical creation, don't we? Take the light of the sun away from the world and what happens? Not just darkness. That's going to be the first thing we notice. But then everything's going to start dying, isn't it? The plants that we rely on, they're dead. The, the animals that, that live and, and breathe, everything is going to start to simply die without light. It's amazing, isn't it, how God has so designed this creation to reflect, to symbolize in so many ways himself and our relationship with him. If he is light and Jesus bears that light into this world and that light is light, God is telling us something. Apart from me, there is no life. When you remove my light from your life, there is no life. Now, you might keep living and breathing, but you don't have life. Not really. Not the way God intended you to have it. What you're living is something, but it's not life. And yet in God, there is life. Jesus bore that life into this world in himself. And John bore testimony to it. So you see the beginning, you see the bearing. But then if you keep reading beginning... <coughs> At verse 9, and continuing on down through verse 13, you see the becoming. Look at what John goes on to write. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming to the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Many rejected him, didn't they? 
He came to those who were his own, not, not just the Jews, but yes, the Jews, but mankind in general. You look at the world today and, and how much of it is given to Christ in genuine faith and obedience? Not much. That's the answer, right? Marshall's saying out loud what everybody else is thinking. Not much. His own did not receive him, and that hasn't changed much. Now, Jesus will tell us why later, it's because men love darkness. Read what he says about it in John 8 and in John chapter 12. Like we'll get to John 12 here in a little while, but man likes darkness. We like to do what we want to do, and we like the cover of it, don't we? We appreciate it. We, we enjoy the idea of not being seen, but where God is, there's light, and where God is, there's sight. He sees and he knows. But keep reading what, Jesus, what John says about Jesus. It says verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Those who are in Christ, those who find the light of Christ are becoming the children of God. That would be you. That would be so many in this audience this morning who have seen the light of Christ through the gospel and have so become the children of God. When we talk about the source of light, if we're talking about the light of the world, that I am light, we're talking about the source of it. Where does it come from? It comes from God. It's seen in the creation. It is exhibited by the creator. And Jesus is the cause of it for us in our walk with God. The creation, the creator, the cause but then I want you to see one more thing. Turn to John chapter 3. And look at verse 18 here of the text. He who believes in him who is not he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Now it's right on the hills of John 3:16, isn't it? That text so many love. That we love and appreciate. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You see, there's a casting of light by the preaching of the gospel and by the person of Jesus Christ. And when that light is cast on the men, they have a choice. Embrace it or run from it. And Jesus describes two different kinds of people here, doesn't he? He describes those who embrace the light of God, the truth of the gospel, and thus live for God. But he also talks about those who refuse the light, who flee from it when it's cast upon them because their deeds are evil. You see, there's something else we have to understand about the source of light. Understanding that God is the source of the light. When he shines that light on us, it is a light of judgment. It's a light of discernment. It's going to tell us who we are. Because anytime man is confronted with God, he has to recognize it's no choice who he is. Think about Isaiah chapter 6 as an illustration of that. Remember when Isaiah sees in a vision the temple filled with the glory of God? 
and the angelic host crying out, holy, holy, holy. What does Isaiah say? He says, I'm a man of unclean lips amongst a people who are unclean. When confronted with God, man always has a choice. You see, the source of the light is God. He shows us that in creation as the one who is the creator demonstrated in Jesus, who is the cause. And when God casts that light upon us, it's going to tell us who we are. Now, to those who are in Christ, here's the thing. We shouldn't fear the source of light, God himself. Rather, when we are confronted with the light, we should see in us the transformation of light. And that's our second point. We go from the source of light to the transformation of light. Understanding that God's light, Jesus shining us, shows us who we are. Those of us who are God's people ought to see that we've been transformed by that light. That when that light shines upon us, we see Christ in us. I invite you over to Ephesians chapter 5, the scripture reading this morning. Because this is the point that Paul makes to these brethren at the church in Ephesus. Notice what he says beginning at verse 8. Now, you could go up earlier in the chapter. We only have so long, and I know y'all want to get to lunch at some point. Verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. There's three more words there, aren't there? But now you are light in the Lord. See, there's that reference to source again. You were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You have been transformed. You've been changed. Your light isn't what it used to be. Because the light of the Lord has impacted your life. Now keep reading. He says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. When you see truth, goodness, and righteousness in someone's life, that is testimony. They're living by the Spirit of God, by the light of Christ, in the light of God. Now keep reading though. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. He says, you were once in darkness, now walk as children of light. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is, a shameful, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Light is in Christ. But that light, that light. It is only for those who awake and embrace it. That's back to that choice, isn't it? When the light is cast upon you. But Paul's writing to brethren who have already made that choice. That when the light of Christ was cast upon them, they made the choice to embrace it. And embracing that light, they found life. And now he expects them to walk in that light. Figuring out what's acceptable to the Lord. Now, he's been writing to them, telling them what's acceptable. It isn't like he's expecting them to go out there and roll some dice or start guessing, you know, playing a paper, rock, scissors with somebody trying to determine what the will of God is. That's not what he expects of them. When he writes this, he's encouraging them to dig into what is written to them. Understand what the will of the Lord is. But how did they make this transformation? This transformation was by Christ. That, that's evident here. But, but let's get a little more specific than just that. Because it wasn't just by Christ. It was by the blood of Christ. That they were taken from darkness 
to light. When Jesus came into this world, he came to this world in John 1 to die for it. To offer himself as a sacrifice for our sin so that our darkness might be cast out by his light. So we can have forgiveness of sins, remission of sins. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, we can read again in this whole section, especially verses 1 through 13 of the text, but we're not going to do it. I want you to read just a couple text verses of this text with me. Verses 1 and 2 first. And you he made alive. Does this sound familiar? It's very similar in, in phraseology to chapter 5. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. That's what Paul's talking about when he talks about them being in darkness. But now being in light, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in, what you, in which you once walked. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He says, you once walked in disobedience. You once walked in darkness. You once walked in sin and death. Now, what changed the grace of God by faith changed them? The grace of God through faith changed them. That's verse 8. But I want you to read down to verses 11 through 13 because this is where he gets to it. He says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the promises of God. He says, you remember who you were. This is the second time he reminds them of it, isn't it? He reminds them of it in verse 1. Now he's reminding them of it again right here at verse 11. He's drawing, he's driving home a point, isn't he? You were outside of God's blessing. When it came to the law of Moses and the blessings and promises of it. Now, they weren't outside of all of God's blessings, were they? God's good grace has been shown to all men. He calls the sun to shine and the rain to fall. And he has created us in his own image, instilling in us by nature, understanding and what some might call intuition of what is right and what is wrong. And yet, without the law, there's not ever going to be a fullness of that understanding. That's an argument Paul makes in the book of Romans. But staying right here in Ephesians, he reminds us <laughs> you were outside of the Commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers. But then notice verse 13. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. That's in the verse 12. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see that? What changed for them? We know that they are transformed in Christ. They're transformed by light in Christ. But what was that? It's the blood of Christ. They're transformed in Christ. They're transformed by the blood of Christ. That's what made the difference for them. That's what has made the difference for all men, isn't it? Can you read the book of Hebrews without getting mad? Only if you read it with your eyes shut. <laughs> The book of Hebrews is an entire letter given to the supremacy of Christ and his sacrifice. And how that ought to change us and our thinking. Transformed by Christ, transformed in light by the blood of Christ, 
transformed in light by Christ, Christ's blood, and Christ's word. Remember how Paul told them, finding out what is acceptable to God? Well, as I referenced, he expected them to read and understand what he had written to them in Ephesians 3, verse 4. But even more than that, turn to John chapter 12, because Jesus himself had already taught that this would absolutely, of necessity, be the case. Look at John 12, beginning at verse 44. He says, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. So if you're going to believe in me, you've got to believe in the Father. If you believe in the Father, then you're going to see me. You can't have one without the other. If you're going to believe in God the Father, you've got to accept God the Son. The two are a package deal. But then notice what he goes on to say. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Now, we've already read about this a couple times, haven't we? In fact, we've already seen people who have gone from darkness into light when we look at the Ephesians. But then notice what he says in verse 47. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him at the last Day. I've come to bear light. That light is found in me. But the only way you're going to find me and stay with me is if you abide in my word. Paul told the church at Ephesus, your children of light, walk in the light, finding out what's acceptable to God. He wanted them to go to the word of God to know how they ought to live in light. You and I need to hear that from the mouth of Jesus himself. If you're going to come to him as the one who is light, the only way to abide in him. And if he's light, that means the only way to abide in the light is to abide in the word of God. Because if you don't abide in the word of God, you don't abide in him. If you don't abide in him, you don't abide in the light. You've left the source of light. I don't like a lot of lights on when I'm sleeping at night. I like it dark. Patricia and I both do. We, we love it dark. But we have a night light in the bathroom. And being that it's a small house, that night light right there in the bathroom, it shines out in the hall. So if we ever have to open up our door in the middle of the night to go take care of the kids or do whatever else needs to be done, you know, every once in a while I wake up, I'm hot. Everybody else likes it warm. I, I like it ice cold. So I get up sometimes, I sneak out there, and I turn down the thermostat. <laughs> Next thing you know, I hear covers shifting because everybody's pulling them off. <laughs> but there's light right there. But the minute I, I walk back into my room and shut the door, there's not light. I've gone away from the light. Now, now it's only darkness. Jesus is that light. And what he's saying is when you abide in me, when you abide in my word, when you stay right here with it, you're going to have light. Me and my word, there will be light here. But when you leave my word, when you leave me behind, you're only going to find darkness. You will have shut the door on the light. So if your Bible more often than not stays like this, you've closed up the source of light. I don't care if it's a full moon and the sun is shining bright all day long. You have closed up the light of life. You've closed it up. 
You see, we're transformed by Christ, by Christ's blood, by Christ's word. By the way, Paul makes that point in Acts 26 when he's recounting the calling of Christ to preach to the Gentiles to bring light where there's darkness. So the transformation of lives by Christ, by his blood, by his word, and into his kingdom. But we already know that, don't we? Because we've already read about that in the book of Ephesians. But I want you to look at one other passage with me, and the sermon will pretty much be yours. 1 Peter chapter 2. You look at 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 9. Now, this is the text we know, but read it slowly with me. Get it again. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Man, if you don't rejoice to be in God's kingdom after reading the first part of that verse, something's wrong with you. What a blessed thing it is to be in the kingdom of God. That kingdom of God is what kind of a kingdom? Keep reading with me. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who were once not a people, but are now the people of God. Who, have not, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's the transformation of life by Christ, by Christ's blood. By Christ's word into his kingdom. That's the transformation of light. Now, brothers, sisters, friends, the source of light is God himself. And Jesus being God brought light into this world. And that light is in him. And those who come to him are transformed by him through his blood, through his word. And they are transferred into his kingdom. And they're expected to walk as children of light, aren't they? Aren't we? That's what we read in Ephesians chapter 5. That's what Peter is reminding the saints of here in 1 Peter chapter 2. You were in darkness, now you are in light. Now you are a different kind of people. And if you're a different kind of people, you live a different kind of life. You know, I feel bad for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Those of you who are sports fans will know why. They pretty much lost all their star power in the matter of just a handful of years. Feel bad for the Toronto Raptors, too. Kawhi got on a championship and then left town. Those teams won't be the same next year, will they? And they'll, they'll look different. In fact, they'll look entirely different. The Raptors, who are at the top of the league this year in the NBA, they'll probably be you know, middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference this season. The Oklahoma City Thunder, maybe they should just move back to Seattle. I don't know. They're in a lot of trouble in the West. They were one thing. Now they're something else. They won't be the same anymore because they're different. It's a different team. They're different people now. As a group. You know, when we think about our transition, when we were in the world, man, we lived like the world, didn't we? We talked like the world. We talked, we spoke however everybody else spoke. We thought how other folks thought. 
We did what other folks did. It, we, we live the way that the world says, hey, you know, the way society as a whole says, hey, live this way. And many of us embraced it. Some of us embraced it completely. But now we are in Christ. But now we are children of light. That means we're part of something different. And we ought to look different. We ought to look like people who are living in the light of God and not in, not in the darkness of the world. We ought to, as a congregation, be a beacon of light. Not a group that just fades in with the darkness. We're God's people. And if he is our light, then we ought to be those who are reflecting that light out in the world. And we're going to emphasize that next week. But today, what I want you to leave here with above all else is to understand that the source and transformation of light are from God himself. We have light because Christ is light. We have light because God himself is light. It's demonstrated in creation and it is for us personal in our creation anew in Christ Jesus. And so thanks be to God who sent the light of his son into this world to transform us. Now, my friend, if you've not been transformed by that light, you've got to go to the source. If you want the darkness of sin out of your life, you've got to go to the source. There's nowhere else to go. You can't find freedom from darkness in the middle of the darkness. You've got to go to the light. Now, listen, here's the thing about approaching that light. It's going to hurt your eyes a little bit at first. <laughs> Isn't it? You know, when you wake up in the morning, sunshine, you know, kind of like, oh, man, <laughs> that's bright, right? That's sometimes how the gospel is at first. Because when we're confronted with Christ, we start to realize, man, I ain't that great after all. But I, I really haven't been living that well. I thought I was doing okay, but, but I, I really haven't been. And that hurts at first. Good. We need that. We, we need to be confronted with the fact that we're sinners so that we can respond to God with godly sorrow and repentance. So when we see Christ and believe that, that he is the son of God, when that, when that confrontation with him who is the light causes us that, that godly sorrow, brings about that, that sorrow of our sin, so that we're moved to repentance, to, to confession, to immersion, baptism, for the remission of our sins, Acts 2 verse 38. That's just the light doing what the light does, casting out the dark. My friend, if you're in darkness this morning, come to the light. Be saved in Christ. God is the source of light, and that light is your life. Without it, you'll die in your sins. But if you see the light, if you know that God is the source of light, come to it and be transformed by Christ. Be changed by his blood and by his word. And then be that new person, that child who walks in the light. Which brings me to the rest of us, the majority of us in, in here this morning. We've said it many times already. 
But I'll say it one more time as we close. We are children of light. We must walk like it. And so my friend, if you haven't been, then you need to make some changes. If you have let the darkness creep back into your life, then you need to repent. You need to turn back to God. You need to seek His mercy. And His mercy is tremendously great, isn't it? You haven't been living as the light of the world, then you haven't been living as a child of the light. And you need to get that right. Now the sermon is yours. The invitation has been offered. We know where the source of light is. It's with God. And we know that the transformation of light is in Christ. And so if you need the light of life in your life, then today respond to the invitation. Come unto God. Come unto His Son and find the light that God offers as we stand and sing to encourage you. We hope that the sermon challenged you and encouraged you in your walk with God. Now that you have listened, we invite you to join us for Bible class on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. or for worship at 10.30 a.m. Further service times can be found on our website. If you would like to study the Bible further, have questions, or just want to send in a prayer request, please call us at 757-848-1120, email us at info, I-N-F-O, at peninsulacofc.org, or fill out the contact form on our website at peninsulacofc.org. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe and rate us in iTunes or on your favorite podcast player to keep up with future sermons. May God bless you.